Hey, what's going on, everybody? So you're probably wondering why you didn't get our usual skywalking intro or as Greg called it a couple episodes ago, my jovial introduction of what up, what up, what up? Well, that's because we just finished recording a podcast. And as soon as we finished recording that podcast, we found out the news of Jalen Brown has suffered a facial fracture and will miss some time. Uh, initial feeling is Brown could be sidelined through the All-Star break with further specialist examination coming on Thursday. That's from Shams Sharania of The Athletic. Sounding like Perk out here. Can't pronounce names today. Well, we, we, we touched on that we didn't know what was happening in the podcast that you're about to hear. But as we got this, we wanted to throw this at the beginning here. Greg, uh, Man, this this really lines up with as we get into you know what could have been the Josh Hart trade that ended up going to the Knicks. Man, that looks even more like oh god, we should have thrown our names in the ring. But of course, we didn't know this information before that happened. Man, it just stinks because we were just riding such a high after that great team win um, with JB going down with a facial fracture. You just wonder you you, you wonder if he's going to have to wear a mask first of all, and then how that might affect him how long he's going to be out. Then the effects with Marcus Smart already being out, the wear and tear we've already seen on Jason Tatum, um, Derek White, you know, he's going to going to need to step up. Malcolm Brogdon, he's always hurt in his career. Like, will this extra load on Malcolm Brogdon end up having effects later in the season? There's just a lot of dominoes that could fall based off of this injury. And it just stinks because, you know, this was such a great win and it didn't look good when it happened. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just concerned that it's going to be a lingering injury, you know, that might affect Jalen Brown's mentality moving forward. Yeah, and it's it's tough with the timing. Obviously, we're on the eve of the trade deadline, so there's not much time to to really make a move. And you know, this this once again speaks to not having that wing depth. Which when you get to the playoffs, it's it's whatever. It's you need Jason and Jalen if you're really going to win the championship. You're you're going to have both of those guys playing just about every game. So it, it doesn't seem like this is season ending or this is you know like he's not coming back. This is this is going to be some time off. And so how do you, you know, supplement that time? And this is where now you're looking at, like you said, you're going to force your your three combo guards, two of which are a little bit already like, hey, we want to, you know, manage their minutes a bit. Marcus Smart's out right now. They're going to have to play up a little bit. Sam Hauser's been shooting the ball better. So if that continues, you can play him more. We talk about Sam's great game from, you know, from tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. But we've also seen that not be reliable. And, you know, even though he does some things that can allow you to play him on the court, like Jalen does so much for this team, like that's a lot to replace. And, you know, just having that physical body out there like this, maybe while you can't overreact to it, if there's a deal that the Celtics were, you know, deciphering back and forth about whether or not to do it and it gets you a wing, I think this does now put the wing need above a big man. For sure, I, I think I, I think some of us felt that way, anyways. Yeah, I think this definitively puts that as the top priority. And I think now, if you're looking at a deal that maybe has Peyton Pritchard as the part of that TPE or Peyton Pritchard and Gallo, you know, depending on how much information you can find out before 3 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it does make you feel a little bit more like if you're the if Brad Stevens in the Celtics front office, like, all right, this is gonna hurt, but I think we need to do it to give ourselves some safety. But yeah, the, the one guy I'm looking up his contract right now. Um, I was thinking about Terrence Ross. His his contract's probably a little mm-hmm. too much. I think it's at around 13, uh, 13 million. 
but he's the type of guy that, you know, if Jalen's going to miss six weeks, whatever it's going to be with this facial fracture, I don't think he's 11.5. You can get there. I mean, once again, you're giving up three pieces to do it, to get to Mm -hmm. 11.5. So that's the Gallo, maybe the Peyton Pritchard. And then you're looking at, you know, probably Justin Jackson, Blake Griffin, something, some combo of, of one of them to do that. So not, not out of the question, but like you said, you got to turn around quickly. This is going to be a sleepless night for, uh, for Brad Stevens here and the rest of the front office as they try to figure out what the pivot, if any, or if you're just going to try and maintain and, you know, that could pose some of its own problems. So, it's tough because there's not enough, inf- the ton of information out there other than he's going to miss some time. He's going to be reevaluated uh, tomorrow or today as this podcast airs. So, uh, you know, we, we felt like we had to jump back in here. We literally had just finished recording, and you're going to hear us talk about a few things alluding to this fact. But uh, now that we know that he's, he's certainly going to be out with this report, wanted to hop back in here and put this at the front. Um, anything else, Greg, before we send it over to the actual podcast? Nah, no. Nah. Get be- get better, Jalen. Get better, JB. Send you over to the real thing. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time in that comfy, comfy bathrobe, my best friend, <laughs> co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. Let's have some fun, man. How you doing tonight? I'm feeling great. That was a heck of a team <laughs> win by the Celtics. And then we got NBA trade deadline in this pod, too. This is probably going to be one of our most fun podcasts of the entire season. When I think of what I want the feeling to be when we come into doing a podcast, this is kind of a night that I think about. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of moving parts. The Celtics just had what I think might be their their best win of the year. The vibes are are feeling real. Like this is the moment that we kind of podcast for, right? Like there's going to be there's some nights where you know th- this is obviously a project for Greg and I that we uh, somehow, some way we want this to ultimately be, this would be what we'd love to do day in, day out, go even more in depth and be paid to do it. That's truly the ultimate goal. And just, it's a fun time hanging out doing this, but you know, a night like this, this is what I just want to capture it, put it in a bottle and be like other nights that we feel like we have to drag ourselves to do it. This is why we do it. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you, are in a shooting slump and you finally get out of that shooting slump and you're like, Oh, this is basketball is fun again because I can shoot very much like the Boston Celtics tonight who were just draining threes all night. Everybody was, was shooting that thing. Shotgun Sam was back. It was just a lot of fun watching that team. First game that one of the Jays did not lead the team in scoring all season. What a, what a fun time. And with that, let's let's get into it. So we're going to do a morning box score, hit a review of the Celtics Sixers game, and then we're going to hit all the trade deadlines. If you're listening to this the morning of release, it is trade deadline day. So happy trade deadline day. Very, very exciting day. If you're looking for some live coverage, our homies over at First of the Floor are going to have you covered. I believe they're going to go live today about an hour or so before the trade deadline on their YouTube page. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll tweet it out from our Twitter account. I'll, I'll might even try to hop on there maybe sneak my way in if I got some time in between a couple of meetings. Uh, <laughs> deadline day is going to be fun, so make sure that y'all tune into that. We'll get you set up with some of the action that's happened already tonight. It may even be happening as we're podcasting right now. We'll hit that in the second half, but 
But right now, let's do what we always do, Greg, and let's queue up that morning box score. Boston Celtics take down the Philadelphia 76ers 106-99 to without three starters going into the game. No Marcus Smart, no Rob Williams, no Al Horford, and eventually another scratch from J- Jalen Brown in the second half of the game. We'll get to that in just a minute. For the Sixers, Joel Embiid, 28 points and 7 rebounds. James Harden, 26 points and 11 assists. Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris combined to go 5 for 24 from the field. 0 for 7 from 3 for just 10 points. 76ers at full strength. Pretty rough night that we'll talk about here in just a moment. Over on the flip side, let's go to the Celtics. As I mentioned, they were without three and a half starters for the entirety of this game. Six guys in double digits. Jason Tatum, only 12 points, but eight rebounds and nine assists. Grant Williams, 15 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Derek White, 19 points, six rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Malcolm Brogdon, my personal sixth man of the year, 19 points. Sam Hauser and Blake Griffin, the always reliable Blake Griffin from downtown. Nine of 12 from the three-point line. Together, they combined for a total of 29 points. There's so many different places that we can go with this game, Greg. But I, I'm going to make us actually start in in one specific area. I like. I need that. I need that. So thank you. This is a really, really rough day for the let's upgrade those Grant Williams minutes crowd. Really rough day. My guy Grant was fantastic tonight, and I think tonight, despite some struggles, some of the struggles that have been brought up about trying to quote unquote upgrade whatever that that may be, or how you know people on Twitter have imagined that potentially playing out. Look, he's had he's had a little bit of a rough stretch, but. We've saw what happened in the playoffs last year. We've seen tonight why he is so important to this team and the playoff run that they're trying to make this year. Let's start with Grant Williams. Take it where you want, my guy. I think that's a great place to start. When you see what he's able to do, I mean, he's able to guard a Joel Embiid and do a decent job, right? I mean, he did as good of a job tonight as you see out of an Al Horford, as you see out of a um, Robert Williams, you know, as you see out of anybody around the league that can give Embiid some problems. A Jared Allen, you know, he always gives Embiid some problems. Grant just does it in a different way because he's so stout at 6'6", 6'7". He's able to get up underneath Embiid. He's just like a really good positional defender. And then when you add the offensive growth that we continue to see from Grant, what I loved from him tonight is that he was very decisive on the catch. He's been, you know, getting shot fake happy this season for the most part tonight. I thought he made good reads. He let that thing fly when it was open. Um, he had a couple nice skip passes across the court. Van Gundy, if you watch the ESPN broadcast, was just absolutely gushing about how much improvement Grant Williams has made this season. And I'm just so happy to see him have this game. If it's his last game in Boston, it was a heck of a game. And he's making it really hard on the front office to justify trading him and it's going to be really hard to justify not giving him at least 15 million dollars in the offseason yeah i think there's no chance after this game you can trade him and and, and to be clear i i feel like the celtics at least from the reporting that we're seeing would have really had to been blown away with somebody or or with a particular offer that was well this is basically the same but there's also benefits long term or there's added draft compensation or something and and i just don't think you're going to find that so of course it's a gamble if grant plays his butt off and plays his way up to a contract you don't feel comfortable paying that might happen but 
in a game like this, and you talked about the way that he, you know, matched up with Joel Embiid and did and did a damn good job of it. You know, typically he's also has reinforcements and Al Horford and, and Rob Williams with him. They weren't there tonight. So this is usually the third option of really, I guess, kind of the second option Joel Embiid would see but behind Horford. But you're going to have all of those guys, you know, to give Joel Embiid different looks. And even Luke Cornett held up, you know, decently, you know, for, you know, trying to talk about upgrading different areas. And, you know, so I just don't see a way that you can justify moving a guy like Grant Williams, who just plays 40 minutes tonight, knocked down four of those threes. Like you said, he was decisive. He had eight rebounds, had five assists to go along with that quick decision-making. And when you look at who the Celtics are going to have to go through to get back to the finals, you're going to see Joel Embiid. You're going to see Giannis in the Bucks. You're going to see Kevin Durant in the Nets. I mean, you even mentioned you're when you play the Cavs, you're going to see Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Like you're mm-hmm. going to need multiple bigs, and and Grant does it in a very different way than your two starters do. And so this gets back to you know some of those guys could be labeled that unicorn. Grant's part of the stable. Grant's a mainstay in the stable that you have to match up with those guys. And should the Celtics, you know, find themselves in the finals, who's number one in the West right now? The Joker, right? So if you come up with the Joker, you need Batman. So I I just don't see a way that after tonight, you can walk away saying, yeah, I think it still makes sense to trade Grant Williams. And I I think this reinforces my belief that there's no way he's not, He's not in Celtic green come Friday night against Charlotte. No, I agree completely. You know, some names have been floated out there. A guy on Charlotte, PJ Washington. I forget um, who was, I don't know if that was happening on the broadcast or if that was happening. Uh, in the, pregame Washburn pre-game. And, uh, and KOC were on the um, NBC sports talking about that a little bit. That's right. That's right. That's where I heard it. Um, and I just think with Grant, the point you just made about the guys that you have to go through in the Eastern conference you know, maybe it won't matter with the Nets if Kevin Durant gets moved and he gets moved to the Western Conference. Maybe that's a possibility. Um, but I think Grant is just the type of defender that you need against these um, big, you know, big guys like Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's made to guard these guys in playoff scenarios. And we saw what he can do in the playoffs as well last season. You know, obviously he wasn't a superstar throughout the playoffs. That's not what Grant Williams is, but he was a star in his role throughout the playoffs. And I think this season, the growth that he's continued to show, there's no way that the Celtics can trade him after a performance like this against Embiid because Embiid's one of those guys where in the past Grant hasn't done a great job against, but the fact that he was able to to do what he did tonight against Embiid, I think speaks volumes to not only this season, but moving forward as you're looking forward to an, um, an eventual Al Horford replacement. Yeah, and so... You know, like I said, this is a great Grant Williams game, but there's a lot of unsung heroes from tonight's win, which which once again, I'm going to reiterate, I think this is the best team win of the season going up against a Philadelphia 76ers team that was crawling right back up into contention for, you know, coming for that number one seed. They're 22 and six in their last 28 games. At full strength. Like, I can't reiterate enough that the Celtics were down three starters. They lose Jalen Brown at the end of the first half. It takes a friendly fire elbow from, from Jason Tatum. We'll see if we get an update on that while we're while we're recording that tonight. But he doesn't come back for the second half. So you're down three and a half starters, including your all-star, one of your two all-stars in Jalen Brown. And the 76ers, who are on fire with best record over the last, you know, 25-plus games. And you take them down full strength. Just an unbelievable win. Uh, I think I think the next guy I want to go to here is Derek White. 
Derek White, who you know has has been just phenomenal. He's been very steady. Also, I think I believe he's played in every game this season for the Celtics. I think the only member of the team that might, might still apply for at this point plays. You know, almost forty minutes tonight. Goes eight of thirteen. Knock down the shots. Three of six. Anytime you're getting Derek White to knock down shots, that's such an added bonus. And tonight was obviously very needed because Tatum was not able to get that shot going, and Jalen Brown didn't play in the second half. So having a guy like Derek White who can step up and get you nineteen points, but then also has you know, six rebounds, three assists. Once again, you talk about being decisive, being quick with the ball, making the right plays. And, you know, my favorite play of the game, maybe of the year, Derek White chased down block into a Sam Hauser shotgun, Sam corner tray. This, this is a game just to, to remember for all of the contributions everywhere. But Derek White stands out above some of the others. Yeah, D.Y., I know you tweeted out that you think he deserves some All-NBA Defensive Player of the Year candidacy this year. And I I mean, it's hard to argue with that, especially when he's starting to get the highlight plays this season to go along with just solid defense overall, always being in the right position. The fact that he fights over screens, he can test late. And then he has these plays where he right now is the best guard shot blocker in the league, like without yeah. a doubt. He's a rim protector at six foot four. So... Derek White, you know, one of the things I wrote recently for Celtics blog was the idea that in Marcus Smart's absence, it's going to be really, really important for Brogdon and White to start developing confidence and developing chemistry with the rest of the guys in the roster, especially Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, because they haven't played with these guys for that long. You know, they're still trying to find their their own way to make their mark on each game. You know, for Derek White, he's being asked to probably do a little bit less than he's capable of. Same with Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. So with D. White, man, like I know we talked about on the last pod the idea of like, oh, if a Jeremy Grant trade came up and it was Grant Williams and D.Y. for Jeremy Grant, like that's still an interesting trade. It's probably never going yeah. to happen. That was just us kind of just, you know, shooting the shit there. But with, you know, after tonight's game, you're like, man, if Derek White reaches the potential that he was showing almost nightly in San Antonio and he reaches that potential for this Boston Celtics team and we figure out a way and Joe figures out a way to get the best out of everybody because that's a whole nother conversation can Joe Mazzula get the best out of Derek mm -hmm. White um you know that <laughs> this team is going to be really tough to beat and this is it's just fun talking about the Celtics after a win like this and and it's the depth man and that's the part that that makes it tough right because like you said guys like Derek White guys like Malcolm Brogdon I mean and even Grant Williams you know and this is why when you see some the trade rumors it's grant wants a starting role potentially i think keith smith had that in one of his reports uh earlier this week that you know that could be part of what's leading you know grant's camp to maybe look at look at a trade that these guys can all do more so if you're joe missoula to, to the point you're making how do you get the best out of them in smaller you know in, in smaller instances right because they're only going to have certain amount of minutes when you add rob williams back when you add al horford back when you add marcus smart back when jalen brown isn't you know out for for the entire second half and that's where it can sometimes get a little tricky but it also you know on a night like this when you're playing the number you know number i don't know if the number two or three seed in the east right now in the philadelphia 76ers at full strength with james harden joel mb tyrus maxi Tobias Harris, the Anthony Melton, you know, the list goes on and on of the of, of the good players that they have over there, and they're at full strength. And you can still come out with, you know, weakened depth and feel like, yeah, this game might be a little bit tougher, but we're not out of it. 
you know, we have enough talent here that we can still go at this. And, you know, the fact that they walk away with a seven point win and basically led almost wire to wire minus the, you know, first six minutes of this game, which were anchored by, you know, Blake Griffin just going in fuego at the beginning of the game before we hopped on. I was, I was saying to you, you know, without Blake hitting those first three threes of the game, the score was 18 to 11 at one point. It would have been 18 to two if Blake didn't knock down those three threes. So it absolutely took, you know, a, a little bit of getting through that first awkward stretch of the game. But the fact that the Celtics have this type of death, like this to me is even though this isn't going to be the team that you see, you know, obviously, or you, hopefully we're not seeing this team in big stretches in the playoffs. This is a monumental win. This is a win that tells you, I don't care what the circumstances are. When we get to the playoffs, we got a chance. It doesn't matter who's down next man up. We're going to have a chance in every single instance in the playoffs. And you can always hearken back to this game tonight. There is one guy that I do want to talk about as we kind of look forward to the the trade deadline. A guy that only played five minutes in a game where there was so many injuries, so many people out. And that's our guy, Peyton Pritchard, man. He yeah. was on the court at the end of the game. Um, I wanted when... to ask you about that. That was, a, that was an interesting little move by uh, crazy Joe Missoula. <laughs> well, I liked it because Doc Rivers, you know, has never been averse to going offense, defense. He did that with the Celtics when he was a Celtics coach back in the day. So when he sees, when Joe sees Doc going offense, defense, he brings in Tyrese Maxey, who was on the bench at that time. He brought him in for offense. Peyton Pritchard, as I've been continuing to say, one of his skill sets that not many people on this roster have is his ability to fight over screens and stay connected to ball handlers. He just doesn't let a lot of space um, get in between him and the ball handler, especially fighting over screens. So when you bring in a maxi, it's, you know, it's like, Oh, well I have Luke Cornett on the court. Like Luke Cornett is going to get, in a switch, you know, going to get involved in a switch action, and then he's going to get taken to the basket. Maybe there's an and one that happens. Peyton Pritchard coming into the game, you can trust him that he's going to be able to guard in a pinch. But the fact that he only played five minutes tonight in a game in which there were so many injuries was pretty telling because there was one point, I think it was one minute left in the first quarter, Pritchard went up to the scorer's table, and Joe decided to pull him back. And I was wondering, I was like, hmm, is that just because there's a timeout coming? Is that just because Joe didn't like what he saw on the court? Or is it because they didn't want to play Peyton Pritchard in this game because there's the possibility that he mm-hmm. could get hurt and he he might get moved before the trade deadline? But it was weird to see him go to the scorer's table and get pulled back. And the only reason he played in this game is because Jalen Brown ended up getting hurt. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, like you said, it, it's you try not to read too much into it, but around the trade deadline, everybody's reading everything, right? Whether it's a, a late game scratch or, you know, like, I mean, I know uh, the Kevin Durant potentially being traded coincided with Jalen Brown sitting out the other night due to a, you know, just a, a non COVID illness. And it was like, and you had to reassure everybody, Hey, it's, there's no trade happening. This was just circumstance of it, but with Peyton Pritchard, it, you know, it, it is interesting. And once again, as we talk about the depth of, this, you know, this simulated a real life, you know, break glass in case of emergency scenario in the playoffs. That's what this was tonight. If, you know, it like if that situation were to occur and Peyton Pritchard really wasn't used all that much other than that late. Like I said, I, I was really fascinated by that move late, especially because, you know, for me, just the biggest thing with, with that move late bringing in Pritchard and it ended up happening was what are we going to do if Joel Embiid <laughs> ends up with Peyton Pritchard? And it was late enough in the shot clock and, and you know, Peyton, he's, Tough as all hell, man. He got yeah. right up under Embiid. He, you know, didn't, you know, didn't, for his credit, did not get pushed around. The Celtics obviously came and then, you know, helped and doubled. Um, but 
it it does make me wonder if this speaks to hey here's here's what we can do because Peyton Pritchard is a guy that does seem expendable when you look at a night like tonight mm-hmm. and you know he only registers the the under 5 minutes doesn't take a shot the, the you know the entire game here uh, almost a clean stat sheet minus minus one rebound so that will will be you know be interesting to see what happens tomorrow as he does seem to be the main trade candidate out there as we said you know reports have been out there of teams calling in on Derek White calling in on Grant Williams you know, tonight and then for for Grant for Derek White all season, it screams why I, the Celtics are not going to likely move mm-hmm. either of them. But any other thoughts that you have on on the game tonight that you want to hit, Greg? Before we we take a break here, I do think we need to talk about Luke. Yeah, let's you know, do it. I, I thought Luke was great in this game. Um, I'm, if you're watching the ESPN broadcast, for those of you that are listening out there, they were kind of making fun of the Cornette eclipse, the Cornette contest, whatever you want to call it, because of that one play in which he. Did, did like the pogo stick the and and then Embiid hit the three and started laughing at him. But Cornette got his revenge. He blocked Embiid at the yeah. rim at the end of the half, which was a heck of a block. One thing I really like about Luke and I'm, I'm noticing out of him is he's become a lot more aggressive on the offensive end, not necessarily when he gets the ball in like a get situation, you know, give and go type of situation, but when he's off ball, and he's cutting those 45 degree cuts, those baseline cuts. He's cutting with a purpose. He's cutting hard and he's making timely cuts and he has great hands. You know, he had one play today where I think Tatum tried to find him for, um, you know, a, a cut and then he, he fumbled the ball away. And, you know, I, I think it was in the, maybe in the first half that happened, but for the most part, Cornette's really shorthanded around the rim. He had that one highlight dunk, you know, Luke's actually surprisingly nimble on those um like reverse alley-oop catches and Tatum really loves throwing that Tatum's getting really comfortable throwing that to Luke and to, I mean Tatum just in general throwing alley-oops to Rob and Luke has become kind of his new like favorite thing as far as the ways in which he's getting assists uh it's something that you can start to look for he does it a couple times a game regardless which one of them is out there yeah, and they're just such big targets. You know, Luke obviously can't get up like Rob can get up for as sure. quick as Rob can get up, but he's so big that he's still a lob threat around the rim. And he looks more athletic. Like, he looks like he's his body. I don't know if it's the haircut. He did just get a haircut <laughs> yeah. recently. But doesn't he look faster? He looks, like, stronger, more athletic. He's really getting up and down the court. Um, I It speaks volumes to the to, the, the coaching staff, the athletic staff, because they are making Luke Cornette, and, and obviously to him, mm-hmm. he's be, he's becoming a very useful NBA player. And when you ask, like, do I want to trade Peyton Pritchard for further big man depth? I'm like, eh, I think I'd rather continue to have the depth at the guard position if Luke can continue to improve the way he's doing. And if we don't trade Grant Williams, because Grant can obviously guard up when needed. Yeah, and I think with Luke and and even some of the play of of Blake tonight, which obviously you know the five threes I think was was a bit fluky, but at the same time you know it's still in the bag that that can happen you know in a game. And once again, I thought Blake gave a solid eighteen minutes just to get out there and be another big, another solid body, another stout body like you talked about with Grant Williams. And so when you look at Blake and Luke in the way that they perform tonight, Grant elevates in that big man rotation. It, you know, I it leaves me feeling like I don't feel like that's the area that if I'm going to trade Peyton Pritchard or if I'm going to combo Peyton Pritchard with Danilo Gallinari to go get something, I, I don't see a, a Jakob Pertle being being the answer. I don't see, you know, I saw Mo Bamba rumor out there, which certainly doesn't make sense. Mo Bamba's barely playing on the Magic as it is. So that doesn't, I don't see how that correlates at all, you know, unless it's a buyout situation. But, you know, re- whichever big that you're looking at, I just don't see that making sense i'm not saying on the buyout you can't look but but to actually trade 
you know, value in that. And so I think for me, that just leaves it to, you know, I, I for me, if Peyton Pritchard is going to get moved, I really think it would still be on the wing, despite our guy, Shotgun Sam, two game, you know, two game revelation. He's back. He's mm-hmm. back, baby. You know, these last two games, he's been really, really good at, you know, he's been looking like early season Sam. And you can even see it tonight in his release. I don't know if you felt this, but in his release, oh. he he felt like he had like the, you know, the Larry Bird walk away in the in the three point contest. Like when he lets it go now, it feels like. Yeah, that's that's not even touching rim. That is, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's back to that early season feel of. I think it's impossible for him to miss. Like I like I don't even think it's possible when it leaves its hand. But bro, that's the thing with shooters. Like even the best shooters in the world go through significant slumps, and when your really only offensive role is to shoot, it's kind of hard when you're in a slump to mm-hmm. for people to notice that you're you know like what value you're adding to the court. Cause Sam still is a pretty good defender, man. He moves his feet really well. He's six foot eight. He can test shots high. Like obviously you don't want Sam getting switched out onto like one of the best guards in the league, but you can say that for most guys that are going to yeah. be in his role, right? Sam Hauser's a, a, a decent defender. I think he's still underrated as a defender. And if he's able, and he's a good rebounder too. I think he has a good nose for the ball and he gets to loose balls really well as well. So I think, you know, with Sam finding the stroke tonight in the playoffs when you're when you need just like this other variable that you can throw out there and you're not worried like a Bielitsa, right? Last year in the finals for the Warriors, like somebody like that that you can just throw mm-hmm. out there and know they might be able to guard somebody that you know you don't expect them to guard, like Bielitsa was able to guard Tatum from time to time in the finals last year. And Hauser, I think, can be that type of guy for the Celtics. Really happy to see him do well. But one other thing I wanted to add before we go to break here, Will, I was thinking earlier. You know, when we're talking about the trade deadline and Danilo, I'm like perk right now. Danilo, (laughs) (laughs) bro, I was losing it. If you guys have not seen it, go find the clip tonight. Perk was trying to do an in-game studio highlight on the Houston Rockets. I can't remember who they're against the Sacramento Kings and couldn't say (laughs) Alperin Sengun and then quit on the highlight just just didn't amazing. talk didn't talk for about 10 seconds and you couldn't even see him on the screen so he was, he was just like ah, I, I wonder if everybody else in the studio is laughing but with Gallinari I was thinking earlier I was like man wouldn't it be just really cool if Gallinari was able to come back in the playoffs like it's very unlikely but he's a good player man Gallinari is a good player and if he can be like a B Elitza type in the mm-hmm. playoffs for us this year that would be just such a fun story because he's working his butt off to get back on the floor I mean that there's been reports of it being an outside possible I don't think anyone thinks it's likely but the work that he's been putting in I know Bobby Manning I think was reporting on this earlier today or earlier this week that you know it's something that he's striving for it's something that he's using internally as motivation mm-hmm. that there is that outside chance by the way he was looking dapper so you see that three-piece suit my guy was rocking finally he's kind of not been bringing bringing the swag on on the i don't know i liked what he went to san antonio and he he dressed up as a cowboy he looked like woody from toy story i thought it was kind of cool yeah i mean (laughs) he's like a handsome six foot ten italian man so he can pull it off but like if you or i tried to wear that we'd look ridiculous we'd look ridiculous yeah he can pull off a lot of looks that that you and i can't pull off he has he does have that benefit but yeah that would be you know a nice addition for the and i think that's partially why they're you know, not necessarily jumping at the bit to say, hey, let's just go throw this in because they have him for next year. I mean, he's on a player option for next year, which he's going to pick up. And so, you know, that could be almost your free agent move, even especially, you know, if you're worried that Grant's going to say, give exactly. me 20 mil, 
well, maybe we just slide in Gallo to that spot for a year exactly. and figure it out. So, um, so yeah, that's a you know that's a great call out on Gallo. That's something that I think we'll definitely be monitoring as we go into the end of the season. And by tomorrow, we'll kind of know you know besides the buyout candidates, we'll know where this team sits. So, with that, we're gonna take a quick break. A couple deals have already gone down. We talked about Kyrie Irving to the Mavs last episode. A couple more deals have gone down tonight. We're going to review those and get y'all set up for the rest of this trade deadline day. All right, Greg. So it's trade deadline day. If you're listening to this on the day of release, it's trade deadline day. Very exciting. Get the Twitter out. Start scrolling. Start refreshing. Hopefully it doesn't go down again. You see the Twitter went down earlier today. I saw people tweeting about it and how it went down. Then I was like, wait a minute. How are people tweeting, tweeting about, about it? it? Yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> it, it was a little confusing. It was it was definitely malfunctioning. So whatever Elon was doing to it, it was certainly malfunctioning. It was telling at one point I tried to send something out from our uh, from our show account and it said you've you've already hit your daily limits for tweets i think i don't think i'd tweet anything today <laughs> i think i tweeted out the youtube link to the show maybe but that was about yeah. it so there was definitely a little bit of uh funny business going on for sure so hopefully elon has that cleaned up by today but during the celtics game a couple big trades went down here greg so like i said we know about the Kyrie trade to the mavs he's actually playing his first game with the mavs right now as we're talking, but the first trade that went down is the one that, that you know we've been hearing about for so long uh, about the Lakers making a move with those picks and with Russell Westbrook. And so that was the first one that went down that was being talked about throughout the day, was finalized during the game today. So in that, D'Angelo Russell is going to be heading to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, along with Jared Vanderbilt and um, Malik Beasley. Uh, and then Russell Westbrook is going to be going to the Utah Jazz along with a 2027 top four protected first round pick. And then Mike Conley plus a few others going over to the Timberwolves. So this is a domino that I think will start to have a little bit of ripple effects as, as everyone was kind of looking at what's going to happen to those Lakers picks. Let's just talk about this trade, you know, in itself, you know, likely Russell Westbrook is going to get bought out. That's, you know, slightly interesting to see where he goes right now. He's still the betting favorite for sixth man of the year, which I think is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to keep mentioning, I think it's so ridiculous that yeah. the guy who's going to be traded and bought out has been the, you know, betting favorite for sixth man of the year, but that's neither here nor there. But what are your thoughts on, on this trade that was, like I said, finalized right around tip off of the Celtics game tonight? I don't know how the Lakers pulled this off, man. Like they gave out one first first round pick that's protected uh one to four, right? Mm -hmm. And if they don't get it in that year in 2027, it doesn't convey, right? So or it becomes it, seconds, I saw it be like immediately becomes seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it like yeah. doesn't become an, another first round pick. Exactly. So the fact that you know they might be that bad in 2027, you never know. And they might be able to hold on to that pick is crazy because they ended up getting three guys that are immediately going to be in their rotation. You could make an argument that all three of them could be slid into their starting lineup right now. Like that's one hundred percent. That's I want to upgrade. This is. I want to talk about LeBron and him breaking the record here in a little bit. But like, if you watch that game last night, oh my god, it's so evident. Just like just getting three rotation players is yeah. such a massive upgrade. And you know, I'm not the biggest D'Angelo Russell guy, but going from Russell Westbrook to D'Angelo Russell is definitively an upgrade in 2023. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of fit, I think Russ still has Russell Westbrook still has some moments really like last night. I think Russ was great in the fourth quarter. He was the only guy like really still trying on the Lakers in the fourth quarter. Maybe he was just 
understanding this was his last game and he was going <laughs> to try and leave on a high note and you know make it hard for the Lakers to trade him. Um, we'll talk about that game in a little, a little bit here. Let's say on the trade, Greg. I know I'm my brain's just like I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how crazy that game was. But this trade, man, I think with D'Angelo Russell. The fact that he's shooting the ball at 50, 40, 90 splits this year, Malik Beasley also can shoot the rock. And then Jared Vanderbilt is just a good defender, also a good rebounder who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after this trade, how much does Rui Hachimura even play? You know what I mean? Because I think Vanderbilt is probably a better version of what the Lakers need from that role between Rui and him. Like Vanderbilt is a better rebounder. I, mean, I, I think the point defender. of it is it, it puts Rui to where he should be. Rui should be your seventh, eighth guy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like Rui's yeah. like an NBA player, but he was going to be in the starting five for yep. for this team playing big minutes. And so now you're just expanding on your, you know, your roster of NBA level talent that actually fits because the Lakers have a couple guys that are NBA talents, but they just don't fit in mm-hmm. any shape or form. And now you've added, and I think Vanderbilt for me, the biggest thing is he provides support to Anthony Davis, right? Like, I don't know what the hell was going on with Dan Davis last night. Once again, we'll talk about that game in, in just a little bit. Very, very weird. But, you know, Anthony Davis is long, you know, not, you know, famously not wanting to play the five. Right. So now you have another guy that's like, hey, I'll get dirty. I'll, you know, throw some bows down here. I can kind of mix it up. And then Russell and Malik, these are going to be guys that fit playing off of LeBron very well. So I think the Lakers didn't, you know, they they waited. And I think this deal is way better than them putting two picks in and, and getting Kyrie Irving. Right. Like, I mean, I think they needed, they needed more that. than just, yeah, they, they needed more than just Kyrie Irving. Like, Kyrie Irving, like, Star wise for being LA, I get it. Shite, you know, shiny, bright lights, all that. But that's actually a much more substantial package. And now, if they really find something else, they got one more pick that they can use to go get Bogdanovich, maybe, or go get one of these other guys that's out there. But that actually leads into kind of the the second part of tonight. One of the guys that's no longer out there is Josh Hart. Josh Hart is going to go from the Blazers to the Knicks. Uh, I think right now we know Cam Reddish is involved. I think there's some conflicting reports at the time of recording this, whether or not uh, there's going to be, you know, whether it's Isaiah Hartenstein or maybe Svi Mikhailuk is also involved. But the main deal here is going to be Hart for Reddish, which, you know, we've talked about for the Celtics. Number one, we've talked about, I mentioned Josh Hart in our, you know, guys we'd love to see in green at some point. I think this is an amazing deal for the Knicks. I really like Josh Hart. You know, I still don't know if it, it I don't think it propels the Knicks into a, a different level of, of where they're at, but I think it makes them even tougher. If we're going back to ranking teams that, that I don't want to play, I think Josh Hart certainly increases, you know, that portion of, of the Knicks that can they spring an upset? You know, are they going to go all the way to the conference finals or the finals? Probably not, but are they going to make it to the second round? Josh Hart certainly helps that case. If you get, you know, the, the right breaks and, you know, and then it also takes Cam Reddish off the board, which I know for you, Cam, Cam Reddish was the yes the buy low guy. That's mm-hmm. the hey here's two seconds. Let's 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 put Cam Reddish into that. You know we have Sam Hauser, but if Sam Hauser's not clicking, we also have Cam Reddish to bring in for minutes. So uh, I know you're you're big on the potential of of Cam Reddish. So so tell me a little bit about what what you were thinking having this having this name off the board going into today. Well, I, I think the heart one is even more interesting than the reddish one. Reddish was just like, you know, I I, I wanted I want to see him in a situation in which he's surrounded by other guys that are kind of his age that might motivate him that are better than him. Right. Like I bet Cam Reddish looks at RJ Barrett and is like, bro, I'm I'm better than you. Right. He just like, kind of has that, you know, they went to the college together, so on and so forth. But if he was on the team with the Celtics, it would just be fun to see what he might turn into if he had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown there. But Josh Hart, you know, when you see what they gave up for him 
a lottery protected 2023 first round pick that turns into four future second round picks if not conveyed this year <laughs> plus cam reddish right so first of all i just i love the random stipulations that go into nba deals like you get this one pick but that turns into four future second round picks and then in other deals like two second round picks got us evan fournier the other year i don't know it's just funny the way that these things work out in nba language no for sure and i i just think like would i you know, to make the contracts work, obviously you'd need to include probably a Gallinari, but a Peyton Pritchard Gallinari package with a pick, could that have gotten it done? Cause Josh mm-hmm. Hart would have looked great and green as you, as you yeah. had said. Um, and like, you know, the issue that I had had when we were talking about trading Pritchard earlier is like, if we trade Pritchard for just some big man, I don't know that that necessarily upgrades our team, like a Mo Bamba, but if we trade him for a Josh Hart, who I think is definitely a playoff player, right? He can definitely play in any on any team in the NBA. Josh Hart would be in their playoff rotation just because of his his grit, his defense, and his ability to just kind of have a nose for the ball, right? So when you see the Knicks are getting Josh Hart, I am a little bit more concerned about the Knicks, more disappointed that the Celtics weren't uh, able to swing a deal like that because that would have been fun to see him in green. It's a little bit like the Jared Allen situation, right? Like you see what they go for and it's like, hmm, why weren't we necessarily stiffing around that? Because that's the upgrade that, you know, that makes sense. That's the upgrade where it's like, oh, if we're going to put in a Gallinari Pritchard plus, you know, a Justin Jackson or or whatever it is to get to that, you know, that final um, salary amount. That's where it makes sense. That's where it it would have been like, hey, this is a move that is is not just a luxury. This is a guy that, you know, and especially for a guy like Josh Hart, because he is that dynamic wing for the way the Celtics play. You know, like losing Peyton Pritchard, for example, like the biggest concern is that Smart gets hurt a lot. Brogdon has an injury history. And so if you have two out of the three main guards, including Derek White in that mix, but now you have Josh Hart, so you don't have to worry about, you know, necessarily playing a wing up if somebody else goes down. It still continues to get continues to give you versatility across your your all your three combo guards that you have mm-hmm. along with the wing. So Hart still would have given you that. So I, I do think that that's uh you know that's interesting that that's a really good move for the Knicks. I think it's a, once again I think it's a phenomenal move. Uh, Perfect tips for guy. the Knicks. Yeah, he's such a Tibbs guy, and I think he's going to be a restricted free agent in the offseason. So maybe that plays a little bit of a, a role into the Celtics not sniffing around quite as much. But then again, like I said, we're in the end game. The Celtics are looking for a championship this year. They already have a lot of their players secure. So I think that would have been a pretty interesting move. But, you know, this is the this is the first couple of moves. We have Kyrie. We have the Lakers three-way deal. Now we have the Josh Hart deal. That's, you know, at least as of right now, it's, you know, it's 10.03 here central time as we're recording. Those are the most up-to-date moves that we've seen. But do you think right now this is setting up for more teams to, to start making you know, is, is there going to be a lot of moves you feel like tomorrow or do you think it's going to oh, slow down or yeah, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be wild? Like, I know you reached out to me and you were like, hey, can we do a live stream? I have to work. <laughs> Unfortunately, I thought about calling out of work, but I, I, got, I got some deals in the pipeline that I need to close. I feel so, you. so, you know, I hope you hop on the stream with first of the floor because I do think there's going to be some wildness that happens tomorrow at the trade deadline. All those guys in Toronto that need to be traded, the Bulls that need to make some trades. You know, there are different teams around the league that still need to move pieces that are significant pieces. You know, and a lot of teams right now that are looking around the league that are like, I think we could win. Yeah. If we had if we the right guy, we can win the title this year. So 
I'm I'm pumped for the trade deadline tomorrow. I'm really upset we won't be able to go live, which is why we're going live right now. Absolutely. But it's, it's going to be a fun day. I'm actually watching a video right now on Twitter. Jalen Brunson just found out that Josh Hart is his teammate again. They go back to their days at Villanova winning oh, championships. Dope. So that's another just like really great connection. Once again, if you're the Knicks, you're just building equity with your star players right there. So I, I think once again, phenomenal move. The day is going to be exciting. Uh, so if you are listening to this the day of release, make sure you check out First of the Floor. Make sure you check out at Green Envy Pod on Twitter, Instagram. We're going to you know, retweet everything we can. We're going to keep you all up to date. We're going to be in there engaging and interacting. Should be a fun day. And you know, we'll see what's left for the Celtics. We'll see what the buyout market starts to look like. And then we'll be back at it on Sunday after the Celtics take on the Grizzlies. Uh, come right back here and join us. We'll talk about everything that's happened. We'll recap that game uh, and maybe get, you know, be, be a little preview for you guys before the Super Bowl. So come check out some basketball before the Super Bowl on Sunday with your boys. We'll talk about everything that's happened. But for now, you know, we talked about the Lakers and their three-way trade, and we hinted at the the game last night, and of course the festivities of LeBron James becoming the all-time scoring leader in the NBA, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, you know, Greg, it was a really interesting scene just just throughout this entire game. It had uh, it had a little bit of the feel of almost like the Kobe sixty game, uh, where everyone just knew it was coming, especially early on. LeBron made it pretty clear that yeah i'm going for the record this game i'm not letting this linger anymore i'm going for it and you know 36 points that's a lot of points that's not that's not it's not nothing you know it wasn't necessarily a guarantee he was going to get it but he got it in three quarters um i have a lot of thoughts just on you know some of the different little nuances of it but i want to get get your take on on last night first i mean it's a heck of an accomplishment you know we were just at the lakers celtics game recently and the biggest takeaway I think the two of us had was that LeBron was the best player on the on the court in that game. You know, Jalen obviously took over down the stretch. Tatum had his moments, but start to finish in the building, it was just like, there's nothing we can do with this man. And then he got fouled and that whole tantrum happened, which is just hilarious. But the <laughs> fact that he's able to still do this at this age, uh, Kareem's reactions throughout the game were so funny too, man. Dude, so I didn't realize, and it was pretty, it was the, the tension, you could feel the tension. When, oh, yeah. when they were doing the whole ceremony in the middle of the game, I, I didn't realize that they kind of have, they don't have beef, but they don't have a great relationship or oh, yeah, they not don't much like of a relationship. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that until I had to do a little bit of digging. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, the fact that LeBron was able to do this and he had that sense for the moment, here's the winning bucket. If you're watching live on YouTube, not YouTube, the, not the winning bucket. But the 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 record breaking bucket. for LeBron last they, night it was the winning bucket. LeBron <laughs> did not give a damn about winning that game last night. No, LeBron he only cared about getting to that record. That was that was the part for me that that kind of stood out. Was like, man, I want like LeBron of a couple years ago would be like, yo, there's a no chance the Oklahoma City Thunder without a center with all these young bucks are coming in here and ruining my night and getting a win give a crap about a win last night he's like i gotta get my 36 my feet hurt i need to sit down and relax i'm getting my 36 i'm celebrating and that's all that matters for me right now and i'm kind of okay with that you know I, that might not be the most popular take uh, for celtics fans to hear that you know i'm, I'm okay with lebron just being lebron in, in last night's game and doing what he was doing but i just think like so it reminded me of in high school when when I was a sophomore, we had a kid named Nick Michelle who was just a really good center. He was dominant. He was a thousand point scorer, and we were away against a team, and he scored his thousand thousandth point. 
and they stopped the game in the middle of the game. There was like a big ceremony for him. So this is kind of like a basketball tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, this happens in basketball contests. I've never seen it happen with 10 seconds left in a Dude, quarter. That was the funniest part. Like, why couldn't we just finish the quarter? <laughs> Can yeah. we just finish the quarter? There's 10 seconds left. Yeah, I thought they should have finished the quarter. I thought that was a little silly, but I'm I'm okay with the ceremony. You know, I'm okay with the pomp. I think that was fine. Um, But it was just funny that they stopped it with 10 seconds left in the third quarter. That was hilarious. Um, But, you know, with the Lakers, they needed to win that game. But it was also the last game before the trade deadline. I think a lot of the guys kind of had that feel about it. Westbrook clearly did. Don't know what was up with AD. Maybe Westbrook, like, hurt his feelings in the locker room or something. (laughs) He (laughs) looked butthurt. Did you see the the reverse angle of LeBron hitting the the shot to break the record where Anthony Davis is is walking, you know, the whole team is basically the team. They might, you might as well let them have their cell phones out. Like just like the rest of the crowd, just, just filming They're They're almost on the court, ready to go storm and celebrate. And Anthony Davis is kind of casually walking behind, just sits down. Didn't didn't even really watch the that that bucket. Like it was there, it was very strange. LeBron was mic'd up, which is also really cool just to hear him talk with different people throughout the game. Um, but there was one moment where AD was sitting on the bench next to him, and it seemed like he was down about something. And LeBron said, "Like, hey, I got you, bro. I love you, man. Wanna yeah, know, wanna let you know I love you." Yeah, so I'm <laughs> I'm wondering if like maybe like maybe there was some tragic stuff that happened in Anthony Davis's life yesterday, or maybe it was like the anniversary. I mean, it was just like it's it was weird to see yeah. the energy that he had last night in the game. Um, and then you know the Lakers needed to win that game, but it really didn't matter. Didn't. I think they're going to be <laughs> fine with this trade. Ultimately, with the trade, they're going to be a much better team, a much different team moving forward. And last night was just fun as a basketball fan. Yeah, I, I think last night just more spoke to like I like. Yeah, it was a game they needed to win. But like you said, unless they made moves at the trade deadline, it wasn't going to matter anyways. And now they've made their moves. So now things are going to matter a little bit more. And, you know, I think Anthony Davis even asked, like, what has to change? He's like, we got to win. And it's like, yeah, it really is that simple. Like, there's there's not, nothing else to it. They just have to win. And now they got these new guys that it's, it's put up or shut up. Either you win and you make the playoffs or you lose and you don't. And, you know, it is what it is. But last night was about celebrating LeBron, who... You know, it's it, it's it's so crazy to think about how much hype he came in with from, you know, age 15, 16 years old. And, you know, I, I don't even know if the segment's going to be uh, – some people that listen to this podcast might just tune out because we're, we're kind of going to gush on LeBron here. That's for a fine. Tune and that's okay. That's okay. No, but, like – LeBron haters on this pod. Not LeBron haters. And I'm not even, like, a huge – like, I like I get when people think LeBron's kind of annoying, corny, egotistical. I agree with all those points, but I also very much – appreciate the greatness this man has put into the game of basketball over the last 20 years. And the fact that he's done so with more pressure than anyone in the history of, of any sport of, you know, I mean, musician, even like musical, like prodigies, like people don't come out with the expectations the way LeBron does and then just go, Oh, hold on. Let me surpass every single one of them that you have. And so I, I think last night for me, it was it was just really cool watching the full culmination of a guy that we've seen since high school to where he's at now, breaking a record that a lot of people thought, you know, wasn't going to be broken. And it's one of the few records that's left that actually is pretty meaningful. I think with baseball, you know, home run records have started to to taper off a bit. That was kind of as a, as like a kids growing up, the gold standard of records that really mattered. And like, even if you didn't know 
what the amount and I, like, of points that Kareem had, which I didn't know most times. But I knew Kareem was the all-time scoring leader. I yeah. knew that average-wise, it's Wilt and, and Michael. You know, like those were things that were really important. And now that LeBron has has taken that mantle, it was really cool to be able to witness that history. And you know, and and the dude, the dude, give him this. Like I said, I think he's, I think he can be a little annoying. I think he can be a little egotistical, a little corny sometimes. The man knows the moment. The man knows how to own a moment, and he knew going into it that what he was going to do, and he went out and did it, and it wasn't easy. Well, I think people need to understand, like our generation. If you're not as you know, we're 33, 34 years old right now, and well, we're both 33. I'm not 34 yet. But when we were, you know, 12, 13 years old, LeBron James was on ESPN, you know, Dickie V calling his high school games. I didn't have any hatred towards LeBron James when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I was cheering for him when he made the finals against the Spurs his first couple of years in the league. Like I wanted to see this guy be great. He wasn't a rival of the Boston Celtics yet. Eventually he became a rival. And eventually I like started to get annoyed with LeBron with a lot of the stuff that he was doing. But in general, I mean, I still remember how I felt watching this kid that I like looked up to because I was I was a basketball player and I wanted to, I was like, oh, LeBron James is so cool. Um, you know, when I was when I was 12 years old, he wasn't I didn't have his poster on my wall, mm-hmm. but I was like very much in tune with what LeBron James was doing, who he was. That was really before social media popped off. So like you were watching on ESPN, there's this like romantic nostalgia that goes along with those early memories of who LeBron is and, you know, who he became is even crazier to think that he is now the NBA's leading scorer. Yeah. I mean, shout out to LeBron, man. Like I said, it's, it's one of those things where I'm going to remember watching that and remember all the, you know, all the happenstance around it from all the celebrities uh, that were there, the weird Drake tribute joke video that they played while the game was actually That's going boy, on. Though. I know it was just like, what the hell is this? That was like an SNL sketch, but they played it like <laughs> while the game was back in happening in the fourth quarter. I don't know. It was, it, it was all very, it was all very strange, but at the same time, I think it's, it was a really cool uh, accomplishment despite the fact that the the Lakers lost you know I think it made sense to go ahead break up the game for a little bit celebrate that it deserves to be celebrated the Lakers will move on we'll talk about the Lakers another day but um yeah really just really cool to be able to witness history and witness a guy that we've seen from the beginning all the way to I can't even call it the end he's still like averaging 28 29 points a game yeah, so crazy. I don't I don't know when the end's gonna be I don't know if he's gonna be with the Lakers the rest of his career um but really cool to watch. I thought it was an extremely fun moment. And one of those moments where kind of everyone's watching together on Twitter. And it's that's one of the good moments of Twitter, right? When everyone's watching the same moment and you feel like you're sharing this with so many people around the world. And so I thought that was uh, that was super cool. Any other final thoughts on this before we, uh, before we wrap no, this one up? No thoughts on this, but just a quick Super Bowl prediction. You got one? Well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna be on here. Uh, well, the game will already have taken place. I'm trying to think of is it better to get my prediction now or is it better yeah. to do it on it's the live? Better, to get, your better to get my prediction now. Okay, <laughs> all right, let's do it now. You've you've convinced me with so many various reasons as to why now is the right time to do it. But I'll I'm gonna go with. I haven't really thought about this too much. You know what? I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm gonna too. go with the Chiefs, twenty-seven to twenty-one. I'm just not betting against Pat Mahomes. I might yeah. be wrong, but I just feel like. You know, in in any football game from now until basically he retires, if I have the option of Pat Mahomes, I'm going to choose Pat Mahomes. I agree. I'm I'm going with the Chiefs. Um, now that the Patriots are what the Patriots are becoming, 
I just want to like, and I, you know, we already had all that greatness with Brady. Shout out to Brady, mm-hmm. by the way, who just retired. We haven't, we haven't talked Maybe. about that. Yeah, I bet. I, I think he's done. I don't but know, I, man. He's, he's crazy. We'll see. <laughs> but I just think like, I want to root for greatness. You know, I think Mahomes, I don't know if he'll ever be the greatest of all time. Like Tom Brady is, but I want to see him be great. I want to see him win multiple Super Bowls. I don't think he's going to get to seven, but I want to see him get multiple Super Bowls and at least like, you know, continue the debate. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? I mean, it's is, fun for the next. This is already his. This is already his third Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Yep. So, third Super Bowl, and I think it's five years of of being a starting quarterback. Six years in the league, five years as a starter. So, he's got a chance. But yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Mahomes is too special not to just choose him and i really really enjoy watching him so should be a fun time we'll talk about this a little bit more when you tune into our next episode of green with envy as i mentioned make sure you're following us on youtube our twitter instagram we will be live uh just like we did after this game after the memphis and memphis grizzlies in boston celtic game on sunday we'll see who's on what team we'll see if maybe og ananobi maybe he's a memphis grizzly by then I don't know. We'll see. That could be interesting. Could be one of his first games. So could have a lot to talk about. That should be a fun matchup regardless, even if neither team makes a move. That should be a really fun one. We'll see who's healthy for the Celtics come that time. Uh, But for now, that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. As always, we appreciate you guys joining us and tuning in, locking in with your boys here. Greg, any final thoughts? And well, no, no final thoughts. But what are we going to hear on the way out? You know the drill. Black Sheep Optimist. Skywalking. Peace, everybody. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be cash your feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go